mind, AI is just the latest to go through what we see as a tried and true digital workplace framework that actually takes us back to the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I love that. You know what? As soon as you said dial up, I got such a flashback to, to hearing the sound and to like jumping onto MSN Messenger after school. This episode of Digital Workplace Impact brings you something slightly different. And that comes in the form of a special guest host, Shimri Jains, DWG's Director of Knowledge. Yes, it's quite unusual for us, but giving credit where credit is due, Shamreet suggested that it might be interesting for her to interview me as a special way of in- unveiling DWG's 2024 predictions for the digital workplace. And we did just that. As Shamreet put it, it was her chance to put me in the hot seat. This is Nancy Goble, DWG's chief executive and the regular host of Digital Workplace Impact. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by Digital Workplace Group. Join me now in conversation with Shamreet about all things predictions for the digital workplace. Happy listening. Shamreet, I can't believe you're back in the studio to help me cap off another exciting year of predictions for the digital workplace. I always love when you step into the studio, but typically you're the one who's coming in to share insights, whether it's because there's a new piece of research that you've worked on, some new thought leadership, a new book, the list goes on. Today, we're going to do something a little different. I am so excited for this. (laughs) (laughs) I am so excited to put you in the hot seat and to to flip the roles and thank you so much as well for trusting me to to have this conversation together and inviting me in with you oh well the pleasure's all mine truly (laughs) and so um i know that um it can be interesting to try to do a session like this solo as uh the host and and also the the subject of uh, the podcast. And so having you as my partner in crime today is, uh, I think going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I am ready when you are. Let's jump in. Let's do it. And so I'm so delighted to, to be talking to you about these predictions and what you have gathered together for, for 2024. They're such a, a crucial part of the DWG calendar. But before we get into them, I love an origin story. I love them. And I, I lo- you know me, I'm a historian at heart. I love to hear about the lineage and the ancestry of ideas. And so I thought we would start with the origin of DWG's annual predictions, if you can share that story. With pleasure. And so I- I'd say to start that it's just really hard to believe that 2024 marks the 10th edition of the digital workplace predictions. And in fact, DWG is is an organization that's been doing a lot of crystal ball gazing as early as 2008, when Paul Miller, then CEO, launched the first set of intranet predictions. But uh, as you know, 
we underwent some changes from our early years where we were the internet benchmarking forum to then becoming the digital workplace group. And so the predictions had to evolve with that in mind. And so in 2014, we kicked off the first generation of predictions and um, I have to say, along the way, there have been some highs and lows because with every uh, generation of predictions, you not only put them forward, but you have to reflect on how those predictions have fared. And so I think when I look back, at least at the digital workplace history of predictions, those highs and lows have been interesting markers for us. In 2018, the predictions hit an all-time high of eight and a half out of 10, because of course there are 10 predictions plus a super prediction. And then I don't think it would surprise many to hear that we actually hit a low point during the height of COVID in 2020 when we were down to six out of 10. And this year, I'm proud to say for 2023, we actually achieved an 8 out of 10. I termed two of them as clunkers, but I think that's probably a bit too bold. Uh, but they were predictions around the metaverse and initiatives to look at ESG initiatives vis-a-vis -vis digital workplace. And of course, that was eclipsed for both because of this meteoric rise of generative AI. But I think, you know, the idea of predictions are not unique to DWG or to the digital workplace industry. And I think it's important to say why we do them in the first place. DWG is uniquely positioned to talk to lots of practitioners and providers in our circles day to day, whether part of DWG's member forum or part of our wider industry circles. The predictions really represent an embodiment of the patterns that we see and are a way for us to help create a line of sight not only for our members, but also for the industry at large. And again, spanning providers and practitioners. And I had the, the pleasure of unveiling the predictions to our members this year uh, back in, it's been a little over a month ago now, I guess it was five weeks ago when we were in the studio together talking predictions. I think it's it's something based on the feedback from the members that do a number of things. Yes, they help create a line of sight around what we think the megatrends will be, but really they're meant to spark ambition, to instigate discussion and debate, to help people with forward thinking. And, and sometimes there's even, you know, a healthy dose of debate within our circles to uh, sometimes tweak or reshape the predictions. This year, I was really pleased to see that they held up really well in the member preview session. And I remember being struck by the <laughs> GIF wars that emerged in the chat panel, if you remember. 
And uh, there was just a lot of great energy from the members reacting to the predictions, amplifying the messages, tying them to what they meant for their organizations. And I think that was probably a first for a DWG member event, <laughs> a gift war. <laughs> I can hardly say I participated in the gift war. It was a, a great way of kind of demonstrating and expressing our reactions to, to what we were hearing. So yeah, the gift wars were, were absolutely a, a fun part of that session. Um, and I just want to go back and pick up on something that you shared around the process. Um, I think when we talk about predictions, we talk about futurism and future gazing, there can sometimes be a sense that it is kind of sticking your finger up in the air and kind of getting a, a gut feel for which way the wind is blowing. But from what you've described, it's a much more in-depth process. And I know that sense-making is something that we talk about within DWG. It's a key part of our member meetings. For example, we always try and make sure we have time for, for collective sense-making. And so I would love to hear more about the process. What process do you use for curating the predictions? That's a wonderful question um, and one that just sparks a smile for me because I'm part sponge. I just absorb information from lots of different places. And I remember when Paul passed the baton from authoring the predictions to me, we talked about the fact that, you know, we, we do have this unique position, not only because of the benchmarking that we do, the research that we do, the conversations that we have with practitioners and providers, couple that with uh, someone like me who's a sponge. I'm, I'm just steeped in anything and everything that I can read about what's going on in our industry. And I know you know this, um, I curate a lot of what I read in an app called Flipboard, uh, which happens to be a, a way of bookmarking articles and blogs and videos that are of interest. And it actually compiles a very visual electronic magazine that you can refer back to over time. And so I'm thinking about the predictions year round, believe it or not. And sometimes I'll just, uh, in the middle of doing something, I'll have an idea that sparks and I'll come up with something that's sort of like a one-liner that encapsulates an idea and I'll, I'll send it to myself very often over email if I'm on the move so I don't lose it in the moment. And then when I actually sit down to write the predictions, I reference in my catalog brain all of these headlines that I've documented and start to go back and say, you know, of these, which ones do I really think will take a lead role in the coming year? And so again, there are 10 predictions and then we have a wrapper or a super prediction that helps tie everything together. So 
lots of data coming through, lots of insights coming through day to day. And it's a process of refining over time through conversations with key people on the DWG team, whether it's you, because I know we had a few conversations about the predictions, or our member advisors, our director of research, as well as talking to lots of members, current perspective alumni across the board. And, and then really refining them. And one of the things I try to do is make them interesting and tweetable at the highest level, because I, I just think that's what helps make them memorable and make them stand out in the process. I love that. And I love how much of a blend it seems to be of art and science. Because mm. so much of what you said reminded me of for example, the process of creativity, where you're just kind of feeding yourself and feeding your subconscious and allowing it to percolate. And then at different moments, you'll get those sparks. But then there's the science behind it of the research and the gathering and the refinement and making sure you've pulled in this diverse group of perspectives. I think the diversity of the people that contribute really came through so strongly for me there. And it speaks to the performance, I guess. We're going to see how these, mm. this time next year, we'll see how, how you've performed. But <laughs> 8 out of 10 for 2023's predictions is a, a, a nice high waterline to be aiming for. And yeah. <laughs> is there, just before we delve into the predictions for next year, was there anything around the, more around the performance that you wanted to spotlight that has surprised you around how they've performed over the years? Well, I, I do have to say that I was really surprised when I first sat down. I thought, you know, maybe a 7 out of 10. <laughs> and historically, the way we've done the scoring, you know, we've allotted for half marks, um, nothing below that. And this year, you know, I just remember being struck by how much alignment there was between the predictions and what we were seeing happening in and around our circles. And there were even, I didn't use the term generative AI, but I certainly talked about the importance of intelligent digital assistance in a number of different ways. Um, and, and that's now manifested itself with the, the rise of chat GPT and, and generative AI. So um, it's been interesting to see that, you know, that foreshadowing was right on point. But um, I decided not to give partial marks for the metaverse and ESG initiatives because I just felt that, you know, they probably could have been quarter points. But um, I figured that it would be bold to instigate some conversation about those two topic areas going into the new year by terming them clunkers. <laughs> so sometimes you have to be bold in the language that you use to instigate a new level of conversation. So that was my thinking there. And to be provocative. And um, I know on the ESG side, I'm I'm the researcher who's going to be doing a paper next year for us looking at ESG and the digital workplace. So yes. it'll be really interesting to see, even though that was a clunker for 2023, will that research and the conversation hopefully instigate um, some some useful conversation and thinking 
And then on the metaverse side, do you do you anticipate it emerging again at some point or do you feel like it's dead for the digital workplace? I don't think it's dead. I certainly see there are pockets of organizations that are are using elements of the metaverse, but at, at the moment, it's certainly not of the size and scale of what we're seeing from a generative AI standpoint. I think you'll feel it reemerge in one of the predictions in a different way when we talk uh, through uh, a few of the highlights. So I'll plant that seed and I'll leave that for a little bit later. I think I know which one you're talking about. So, and it's, if it is one, it's an area that is also near and dear to my heart, um, just from a, a personal gaming perspective. But uh, anyway, ding, ding, ding. just a little little teaser there for everyone. So exactly. without further ado, actually, what, what do you envision for digital workplaces in 2024? Talk us through at a high level kind of what you have predicted. So I'll I'll give you the headlines because I'm sure they're going to be a handful that you want to explore Mm. in detail. So I'll run one through 10 um, and I'll save the super prediction for a little bit later. But the first is content may be king, but data is the new queen. The second is the next big thing for digital employee experience will be shaping relational experiences. The third is digital workplace impact will be assessed using AI-powered strategic insights. The fourth is that citizen developers are poised for burst in innovation. So, you know, I think of the citizen developers a lot like a movement. The fifth is that AI proliferation will abound and digital workplace teams need to help employees find their way. The sixth is digital leadership will level up with the help of AI-powered digital assistants. Number seven is search is dead, long live findability. Number eight is in addition to extending AI and cloud capabilities, Microsoft 365 will build up their gaming productivity and accessibility capabilities. Number nine is digital workplace leaders will start the year as chaos coordinators and finish it off as outriders. And then number 10, last but not least, is that digital workplace teams will need to balance cost cutting with delivering impact so digital employee experience doesn't suffer. Just going to take a moment to breathe that in. (laughs) It's such a... (laughs) It's such a rich list of predictions and I can I can totally see having been in member meetings and ask DWG sessions and live events with our members and, and seeing the conversations, I can see so well how that's a, a mirror of and a kind of amplification of the conversations and the challenges we've been hearing over the last year. Um, and it's such a, a mix of kind of digital workplace classics if you know what I mean Mm. and kind of old Mm -hmm. oldies but goodies uh, (laughs) that are perpetually challenges but with a new twist but then also so much space for the emergent Um, Mm -hmm. and it's such a nice balance of, of those two things and so 
Let's go deeper. Like you said, let's go deeper into some of the predictions. And I wanted to start with prediction number one, which was content is king, but data is the new queen. Mm -hmm. And I'm really intrigued with the wording you've chosen for that. So can you tell us more about what that means? Yeah, absolutely. So I'd say in every conversation that we've ever had about the digital workplace, content is at the center. And, and the term content is king has been used for a long, long time in our circles. But I would say that, you know, when I think about the age of artificial intelligence coming into play and taking us beyond the levels of um, personalization uh, of content that, that we've seen, the wrapper that we put around that content i.e. the data, is what will really help shape the kinds of answers that are being surfaced by artificial intelligence. You know, if we think of um, content almost like a Rubik's Cube that we need to twist and turn depending on what we're trying to uh, answer whether it's challenge, whether it's new insight, whether it's how to get something done. AI needs to be able to really slice and dice that content to be able to not only surface the answer to the immediate question that's been asked, but also to prompt additional thinking by surfacing related information and related questions. And so the two absolutely need to work hand in glove. And, and again, I thought, you know, the play on words there was also very timely given some of the, the changes that had happened in the UK um, over the past year uh, within the royal family. So I was thinking about lots of things, <laughs> believe it or not, all while writing the prediction. And so I think the challenge for digital workplace practitioners in particular is that um, in order for us to really start to leverage data-driven decision-making in this age of AI, digital workplace practitioners really need to level up on data management practices. And so AI can't solve for that on its own. We have to think about, as an industry, how we preserve a single source of truth for data, how we keep data clean, how we ensure that tagging and storage and data lineage all are cared after, that we train employees and stakeholders on how to use data and how to nurture that data and how to measure and monitor the impact that content and data have. So tying it back to your upcoming research and to keep things like data access, data privacy, data security policies front and center. We know that there have been some big scares with Samsung being one example in the early, early days of AI where people were surfacing confidential information, proprietary information in very public channels. And so Having those structures around the data from top to bottom is a whole new skill set that um, is really being taken to a next level state, I would say, for digital workplace teams in 2024. Mm. 
And it's it's something I think we've seen reflected already in our research program from 2023, mm. where we were looking at, um, we had a whole report on metrics and data and starting to become more um, literate with how to, to work with data. Um, but it also speaks to me, I, I'm going to share something I recently learned, and it was the idea of data as being embodied. And I heard that and it kind of lit a light bulb for me. And it was this idea that data comes from our bodies, from our actions as we move around digital realms. But often data is itself is seen as something separate to us and the people who create it. And it's kind of treated as over there while the users are over here. Mm. And the reason I bring that up here is it, as you were speaking, it brings to mind for me as well the question of ethics. Um, and so how will it be important for digital workplace practitioners to become literate in digital ethics as a, alongside that question of, of or prediction of data being the new queen? I, I think there's absolutely no question that that has to be part of the fabric of this new landscape because even things as simple as how you frame a question or how a source of information has been framed can all impact the answers that are surfaced. And so there's a responsibility on the part of uh, digital workplace practitioners, organizations, to make sure that um, things are are being um, managed in such a way that... um, information is is um, shared in a way that um, is inclusive for all, is used properly, used for the right reasons, is used ethically. And I think we need to have a focus in organizations to make sure that's very present in how we interpret, Um, changing roles in organizations so that um, there's a duty of care um, at an operator level, meaning the employees, at a stakeholder level, um, meaning leadership, and then at a digital workplace practitioner level, you know, the guardians of the galaxy, so to speak, (laughs) (laughs) to ensure that it's, it's not just about making sure that the data is clean, but um, that all the right considerations are made to uh, ensure that things like bias, ethical considerations, inclusivity are all foundational. Fantastic. And we can obviously spotlight the digital ethics paper that came out this year um, for people who want to find out more about that. And just to pay credit, uh, that idea of data being embodied is one I heard from somebody called Chennai Chair, so we can spotlight her. Um, So I'm changing gear now. So many of our members and listeners use some or all of the Microsoft stack. It's so mm. prevalent in for the mm-hmm. digital workplace. And Microsoft and their decision-making and their roadmap have just a huge impact through new features and capabilities that are rolling out all the time. And so Prediction 8 was about Microsoft 365. And mm-hmm. so I would love to hear what you've seen emerging in that roadmap for 2024 mm. that led to that prediction. Yeah, well, I think it's it's a given that Microsoft has gone big and bold on AI and cloud capabilities on their roadmap. And 
are looking for ways to power innovative apps and and drive digital transformation. But what I think is less well known is that Microsoft entered into the gaming arena in a bold new way when they acquired Activision Blizzard last year. And it's sparked lots of discussion about how Microsoft might bring gaming into the world of productivity tools. And so they took a first step and launched something called Games for Work to help with team building and collaboration. And Microsoft Teams also now supports multiple apps And I suspect that library will continue to build. One example being something called Incentives Apps, which allows organizations to gamify adoption management and change management activities. And third-party gamification apps can now be brought into the Microsoft Apps library. Uh, So things like Spinify, which allow organizations to track employee progress and compare that to other employees, view goals, things like rewards. And for those of us who um, have been longstanding members of the DWG benchmarking team, we love a leaderboard or a league table. And then this capability can also track upcoming targets because targets may change in the course of performance year. And so getting people to think differently Uh, by leveraging elements of gaming to not only draw productivity, uh, but also bring teams together and create some healthy competition Mm -hmm. um, to help everyone level up, um, seem to be uh, becoming more part of the Microsoft ecosystem, but not necessarily getting the same level of play as things like AI and cloud right now. And, you know, I think that we'll continue to see further adaptations from the gaming world. And, you know, I think the 3D immersive experiences launching in the new year, like Mesh, will start to bring in uh, some of what we've been thinking about, talking about relative to the metaverse. So I think, you know, slightly different application for that can be in the offing. And then the other part of this prediction centered around accessibility. And I think that's going to continue to be another focus for Microsoft. They launched a new inclusive tech lab earlier in 2023. And Microsoft doesn't make light investments. So it's apparent that play will mean that they are going to go to greater lengths to ensure that the apps and services that they're delivering will have best-in-class accessibilities capabilities built into them and uh, ultimately try to or strive to ensure that everyone can create, can communicate, can collaborate with you know, all of the support assistive technologies, in other words, um, and, and other capabilities to just really try to make sure that um, everyone can bring their whole selves to the workplace every day and leverage the M365 toolbox, goodie box. 
this is such a fascinating and like exciting area to be thinking about and it's it's so interesting because i the whole gaming aspect is i remember in 2016 writing an article for dwg around how i wish the digital workplace was more like a video game (laughs) in 2016 and i remember as well we went through a phase where in our member meetings gamification seemed to be coming up all the time and then it just kind of flitted away and hasn't been Mm -hmm. mentioned in so long and yet that investment that you speak of and the the work that microsoft is now doing about bringing some of those principles and technologies into the world of work are so fascinating because the gaming industry is huge and there are so many innovations I know I remember reading Ubisoft doing some fascinating work around accessibility for gaming, bringing Mm -hmm. those two areas together. And so this prediction is just, it's, it's going to be so interesting to see how it evolves. And do you think, to what extent do you think that we're starting to see the kind of younger generations coming into the workforce now? To what extent is that impacting or influencing some of these moves? I think that's, well, I think you've hit the nail on the head basically by (laughs) asking the question. You know, we need to evolve ways of working to support how all generations bring their best selves to work. And gamification is one way to do that. Um, You know, some people cut their teeth on laptops. Some people cut their teeth Uh, in the gaming world. So needing to think holistically about um, the fact that in the learning paradigm, right, you have visual learners, auditory learners, kinesthetic learners, this gaming space is introducing the idea that there are different ways to build your skills in an organization and make your contributions from a productivity standpoint, from a learning and innovation standpoint. So this is another way, another channel for helping bring out the best in individuals who grew up with gaming in a very big way. Mm. And it really challenges that boundary I think of this is work and this is play and there's mm-hmm. a binary there and actually mm-hmm. there is so much to be learned from the wor- the worlds of, of play uh, and bringing them into work it's gonna be really exciting I'm excited for this prediction <laughs> and just to see <laughs> to see what emerges and to see how it gets scored this time next year as well Okay, and so I'm going to move on, and we've put it off for long enough. <laughs> we, we've mentioned AI a couple of times already, and f- I think four of your predictions explicitly refer to AI, and there's obviously elements of it in the others. And so tell me what role you see AI playing for digital workplaces in 2024. There are many areas to explore here for sure, Shem. Just thinking about things, part of what came as inspiration was an experience I had actually not long before we did the unveiling of the predictions with the members. I happened to go on LinkedIn, LinkedIn, excuse me, and I happened to have messages in my inbox. I went into one of the messages and for the first time on LinkedIn, I had a prompt that said, would you like 
our AI assistant to help you write a response back to this LinkedIn connection. And I remember this wasn't here the day before, but it's certainly here now. What does that mean for the digital workplace? And so this idea that proliferation was going to abound came as a really clear theme for me. And literally, as I've been talking to members, they've been talking about the fact that you know, there was very much priority to lock things down early on so that organizations could try to figure out what are our policies? How are we going to govern this? Um, how do we make sure that people are safe and that we don't bleed IP out of the organization inadvertently? You know, all the questions that, you know, members were asking through Ask DWG. And so when any technology proliferates, it has an impact on the employee experience. And so how do we as digital workplace practitioners need to support our employees as this change comes at us in rapid fire manner? Because there is no guarantee that if you ask the same question of different aspects of AI, that you're going to get the same answers. So how do you ensure that people can act with confidence and clarity and make the right decisions along the way? So governance, data management, all the things that, you know, that we talk about day to day inside of our circles really have added importance at this particular point in time. So that's one theme. Another theme is that Organizations are saying that AI is going to become uh, a way for them to operate differently, whether smaller, leaner, more agile, more intelligently. And ultimately, for any initiative to thrive, it has to start with leadership. And so that just led me to think that digital leadership would need to start to morph as part of this new paradigm and that the rise of digital assistance in the AI arena could really be an enabler for leaders to help support some of the important but but low value tasks that uh, sometimes take away from your ability to spend more time thinking big thoughts or planning or um, bringing your team together to you know, solidify that glue or, you know, whatever other high value activities uh, they could be working on. So, you know, years ago, leaders had assistants working closely with them. And as organizations have restructured, some of that has gone away and people had to take those things back on themselves. And AI can act as, um, you know, a, a digital assistant that follows you around and helps you take some of the load off of the basic things that you need to do day to day, but also it can put more powerful information in your hands so that you can make more data-driven decisions, yes, at a leadership level, but you know, extend that to teams, whether they are working teams or digital workplace teams at large. And, um, you know, I think this idea of assistance give you performance capacity, but then um, the uh, data-driven side of AI 
actually allows you to make thoughtful, well-informed decisions more quickly. And so the combination of the two means, in a sense, that you, you get to redefine what leadership looks like, because it's not just about having direct reports or P&L responsibility or what have you. Leadership can, can be about people who create a sphere of influence and help move a business agenda forward. I think that's an exciting side to things. And we also know finally that capabilities like the power apps inside of Microsoft 365 gave birth to a pretty robust citizen development movement. And AI is actually helping enable citizen developers in bold new ways so that they don't have to necessarily have deep technical understanding or troubleshooting capabilities. AI can help build code and help debug code based on questions that citizen developers and IT developers ask alike. But I think in the realm of digital workplace, we need to take extra care to make sure that we are nurturing the community of citizen developers together to ensure that what they do build um, is managed actively as part of the capabilities inside of an organization. So both that gov governance and support are going to be important in new ways for the citizen developer movement simply because of AI. There's so much there and so much that I've seen, that I know we've both seen reflected in what's happening in our member community and obviously what's happening in terms of the discussion of AI outside of it. I love it. Mm. And what really <laughs> struck me across those was this, this dance, this balance between this kind of expansive excitement of what can we experiment with and how can we harness this for innovation? And, and there are so many things and we see, you know, just the, I think this month, the previous month, we saw an amazing um, demonstration from one of our members of, of work they're doing around, around generative AI for knowledge, mm -hmm. finding and sharing. And we're starting to see those amazing experiments. And the balance of that, from what I heard, was that almost contraction of security and managing risk and, and the, the proliferation that might happen. And so that dance between the excitement of the opportunity and the kind of let's take this a little bit more slowly because there are mm -hmm. risks comes out so beautifully in, in those predictions and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens next year around all of these and and will something <laughs> completely take us and out you know by surprise within the ai sphere it's it's developing so rapidly it's definitely a watch this space area for sure so you know i'm certainly acting on the best information that i have in framing these predictions but because it is such a fast moving arena there could well be some good surprises along the way and that brings us actually really nicely just to the last prediction I wanted to delve into. I was tempted to ask you more about prediction two, which is about relational experiences, which is like a personal bias of mine. But I, with our listeners hat on, I thought it was important to finish with your ninth prediction, which is digital workplace leaders will start the year as chaos coordinators and finish as outriders. Mm -hmm. And so what was your thinking behind that one? 
think about the conversation that we were just having around AI proliferation, ways of thinking about taking data-driven decisions in new ways for digital workplace teams, for the organizations. Think about economic uncertainty that's still swirling around uh, many organizations. And in fact, we've seen some pretty dramatic team restructurings, digital workplace team restructurings, and shifting seats for leaders over the last couple of months. So what that all means is that we are seeing change with direction, aka velocity. And so when you see that amount of change, what ends up happening is that digital workplace leaders end up to some degree, acting as chaos coordinators, sense makers, to help people find the way forward through cost cutting, through leadership changes and restructuring, through emerging technologies and the hype cycle uh, that we are in the middle of. And so that's a lot. But I don't think the entire year will be dominated by trying to make sense and and help people get a new level of grounding as the digital workplace changes. Um, I do think digital workplace leaders have the strong potential to get ahead of all of that. And that's why I term them shifting early in the year from chaos coordinators to outriders and the outriders being the individuals who are out in front of a pack of bikes, horses, motorcycles to help uh, clear the way and ensure it's safe for travel as they're directing, in our parlance, new ways of working. Mm. I feel like that captures so beautifully the some of the themes um, that have come up in the predictions, exactly as you said, this idea of there is chaos and, and digital workplace practitioners are so well placed and have been around governance and infrastructure and, and all these things that need to be in place, the basics. But then that creates such a great foundation for being that forward looking person at the front of the pack that can help bring people along. And so I think that probably leads us really beautifully <laughs> into your super prediction. And so I know that this is something that wraps a theme around mm-hmm. all 10 predictions. And mm-hmm. in the past, you've drawn inspiration from The Wizard of Oz. I know you're a film buff. And you, yes. you love to draw inspiration from those. And I, I love an analogy and they work so beautifully. And so I'm really curious to hear what your super prediction for 2024 is. So just to pull the thread a little bit further, the 2023 prediction was that the digital workplace had entered the land of Oz, a place where digital workplaces found a home, a heart, a brain, and courage. This year's inspiration came from another iconic film from my youth, which is Back to the Future. And the way I've been thinking about it is that 2023 is the year in which generative AI came on the scene and in a pretty big way, pretty big disruptive way. And much of the media hype surrounding it has sparked lots and lots of questions, fears, concerns, inspiration, much like what technology disruptors do. And, you know, when you think back to the birth of the internet, which ultimately brought us to intranets, dial-up 
and VPN, instant messaging, the smartphone and the rise of bring your own device or BYOD, social networking, uh, digital collaboration, cloud computing, the metaverse, although, you know, we we won't focus too much on the clunker idea, but but (laughs) um, there were points in time when technology, emerging technology gave us pause to say, what do we do in the middle of all of this? And the answer is quite simple. You, in the midst of the hype cycle, fall back on the fundamentals to find your way forward, whether it's generative AI or any other emerging tech. You need to get clear about purpose. What is your strategy and roadmap? What are your policies? What is your governance framework? How are you going to measure and benchmark? How are you going to look at the implications for the user experience? How are you going to nurture experimentation and innovation? And how are you going to support adoption and change leadership? And so to my mind, AI is just the latest to go through what we see as a tried and true digital workplace framework that actually takes us back to the future. Mm. Oh, I love that. You know what? As soon as you said dial up, I got such a flashback to, <laughs> to hearing the sound and to like jumping onto MSN Messenger after school. I'm AJ. I'm like positioning my age here. <laughs> like AOL Messenger. I love that. I think it speaks so much to almost the cyclical nature of time and Mm. how no matter what's going on and it feels like there's new things coming on that we've never experienced before underneath that are these like set of principles that guide us that we can always come back to and yes they might need refreshing and tweaking and they might evolve Mm -hmm. a bit but they're always there and they're the things that you've said and they come through so strongly in in all of the predictions that you've shared this idea of there's something new that we're going to have to contend with but there's actually some basics that we can fall back on to guide us and it's it's beautiful i love the idea of back to the future as well for this <laughs> um and so nancy we're we're getting to the end of our time <laughs> it's it's gone really quickly and just before we close, I have the privilege of asking you the question that you have asked me many a time. <laughs> is there anything that we've missed? What I'll say is that we have lots of conversation around the predictions in our circles and people consume information in lots of different ways. So, of course, this podcast is one way to take them in and to bring them into your thinking, your um, forward planning, but we also have a blog post up on both the DWG website and the member extranet. And one of the things that our editorial team has done is tied back each and every prediction to resources that are available to both audiences. So I think the blog is a really powerful companion to this podcast. The other thing I would say, because I know that some people are much more visually driven, is that also on the member extranet is the preview session that I ran with you in early November. And so that's up on the extranet for the taking as well. 
Wonderful. Thank you so much, Nancy. And I am really looking forward to this time next year, checking <laughs> in and seeing what the scores were and what you predict for 2025 as well. And so, yeah, thank you so much for inviting me into your own chair to, to interview <laughs> you. It's been such a pleasure. Oh, and it's been such a treat for me. It's always great to have you in the studio. But for you to challenge me uh, by taking the lead seat today, that was... Um, just just wonderful and so thank you too for being open to this idea and and carrying it forward so beautifully of course we were experimenting with some tried and trusted principles (laughs) so fully back to the future and so thank you nancy and i will speak soon digital workplace impact is brought to you by the digital workplace group DWG is a strategic partner covering all aspects of the evolving digital workplace industry, not only through membership, but also benchmarking and boutique consulting services. For more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com. The first is content may be king, but data is the new queen. The second is the next big thing for digital employee experience will be shaping relational experiences. The third is digital workplace impact will be assessed using AI-powered strategic insights. The fourth is that citizen developers are poised for burst in innovation. The fifth is that AI proliferation will abound and digital workplace teams need to help employees find their way. The sixth is digital leadership will level up with the help of AI-powered digital assistants. Number seven is search is dead, long live findability. Number eight is in addition to extending AI and cloud capabilities, Microsoft 365 will build up their gaming productivity and accessibility capabilities. Number nine is digital workplace leaders will start the year as chaos coordinators and finish it off as outriders. And then number 10, last but not least, is that digital workplace teams will need to balance cost cutting with delivering impact so digital employee experience doesn't suffer.